0: Welcome to our couch. Take a seat. It's time for therapy.
1: Movie therapy.
0: I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture critic and co-author of How to Be Fine.
1: And I'm Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday. In each episode of Movie Therapy, we offer up questionable advice and only the finest television and movie recommendations for what ails you.
0: As usual, our disclaimer, we are not real therapists, but we are real TV and movie critics. And Rafer, we are ready with our prescription pads with lots of letters. Shall we get to the first one?
1: Yes, our first letter is from JT. JT writes, Dear Rayfriend and Kristen, my partner and I are getting married next year. We have decided to elope in our home city, NYC, and are making the day as special as we can possibly imagine. Hotel stay, before and after, beautiful clothes, delicious food, celebratory collar for the kitty if I have my way. <laughs> I never ever wanted a big wedding, and I am delighted that we'll be together, just the two of us. Here's the issue. The reason there was so little family resistance to our elopement is that we're a queer couple, and my partner is a non-binary trans person. And while a handful of family members are supportive of us and of my partner's pronouns, the others are not great. For example, when my partner proposed, one parent asked, Is that legal? We don't want to be surrounded by sharks correcting pronouns, wincing all day, and managing cold Puritan auras. But I know there will be moments during our day when I wish we had our families with us. Do you have any TV or movie suggestions to make us feel better about our little wedding with just the two of us?
0: Oh, well, first and foremost, JT, huge congratulations. I have been lucky enough to be a witness at a New York courthouse wedding before, and I dreamed of having a courthouse wedding myself. I really, really wanted to... Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. Dean and I wanted to get secret married before our real wedding. I just, I always thought that the New York courthouse wedding was one of the most romantic things in the world. This is a place where it's not about pomp and circumstance. True. It's about people who truly want to be together and start their lives together. And what's more romantic? Romantic than that. Who cares if you're wearing a $5,000 dress? Who cares what the cake looks like? Agreed. It's really about two people who love each other and want to build a future together. And there's nothing more romantic to me. I love it, JT. And I'm so happy for you, too. You're going to have a great life. You're going to have a great wedding. And I also just want to remind you what you say at the top of your letter to us. To quote you, I have never, ever, ever wanted a big wedding, So you're going to not have a big wedding. You're going to have the thing that you've always wanted, and it's going to be intimate, and it's going to be just about the two of you. So I'm really happy for you.
1: I am too. Um, However, JT, you do say that there will be moments during our day when I wish we had our families with us. And I'm going to say something. I don't know how Kristen is going to feel about this. I don't know how you're going to feel about this, JT. I'm going to suggest you give it one last shot (gasps) and invite your family. Interesting. That's my suggestion. It's it's your family and this is your wedding. And I get the feeling that you wish you had your family there. Granted, it sounds like your family is not great, as you say. But what I'm not hearing is that your family is awful. Mm-hmm. I'm not hearing that your family is, let's say hateful, refusing to come to your wedding. I I could be wrong. Listen, JT, maybe you've been through all this and and I just don't know. But the way you're describing your family, they sound, you know, a little conservative, a little, you know, stuck in their ways and reluctant to change. They don't sound like the Westboro Baptist Church. They don't sound like real hateful, like capital B bigots. Maybe I'm wrong. That's not the way you're describing them. And I just wonder... If it might be worth it to give it a shot and see if they could see if they could come, see if there's a way for you to set some ground rules, ask for what you want, ask them to be respectful on this ish, this issue and that issue, and see what see what they say. That's my suggestion, Kristen. Good idea, bad idea? Mm. Nah, I knew you were <laughs> going to say that, Kristen. I knew you were going to say that.
0: I just feel like on your special day. If you can be surrounded by love and support, that is ideal. And I don't know if you remember, Rafer, but when Dean and I got married, there was a certain point in the ceremony where it wasn't just our officiant asking if Dean would I do or I would I do. But we turned to everybody who was there in that filthy punk rock bar. I remember that bar. And she turned to everybody there. (laughs) Yes. And she said, will you support these two? Will you be there for them and give them what they need in their union? And all of you out there said, I do. And that point brought tears to my eyes. It was one of the most special parts of the day was to know that everybody there 100% had our backs. And I don't know if you want to be in a room with people who you don't feel 100% have your backs. Yeah. yeah. I, I totally understand why JT wouldn't want that. And I also just, again, I already said this, I want to remind everyone here JT originally said that they didn't want a giant wedding. True? They really didn't. And so, I don't know. I I I don't think I agree with you, Rafer. You don't
1: agree. I knew you weren't going to agree. I knew it. I knew it.
0: <laughs> and I could be wrong. I could be wrong.
1: All right. Okay. Listen, on that note, Kristen, I'm going to jump into my recommendation which again, you may not agree with, but my recommendation for this listener is from 2019, not that long ago. Uh, the best of enemies. Did you see this movie?
0: No, I don't even think I know this movie, Rafer.
1: It 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 just didn't get much traction. I think it just it it's a it's a civil rights era drama, um, sort of tail tail end of the civil rights era um and i don't know i guess there'd just been too many movies like that it kind of got lost in the shuffle um i think we'd already seen green book by then yes i think we had so Mm. i think i just think it kind of couldn't get traction i think people were a little tired of the that narrative anyway if you're wondering why i'm prescribing a civil rights drama let me tell you the story it is a true story it's a it's a dramatic film it's a fictional fictionalized film but this is a true story and that's extremely important to remember. So the year is 1971 and the place is uh, North Carolina, Durham, North Carolina. There's a black school in the neighborhood that catches fire. And now the town has a problem. What are we going to do? Are we really going to put the black kids in our white schools? Um, One thing that I've never figured out is how Durham, North Carolina managed to still segregate its schools in 1971. I thought there were laws against that, but apparently the schools were still either officially or de facto segregated. Anyway, So integration is the issue here. And as you can imagine, there are strong feelings on both sides in Durham. On the one side, you've got a black activist named Anne Atwater. Again, real character, played by Taraji P. Henson. Mm, Um, You know I love Taraji. Oh, yeah. And she's very good. And on the other, you have a good old boy named C.P. Ellis, played by Sam Rockwell. C.P. Ellis, again, real character. He's not just a racist. He is the president of the local clan. Oh, my God. And here's what happens. They're named as the leaders of a committee, and they are told they have to work together to find a solution. The black activist and the Klansmen are going to get a group together, sit next to each other, and be co-chairs of a committee, and find a solution for the town of Durham. Here's a clip.
0: Last night, an electrical fire destroyed East End
1: Elementary School. Mama, where are we going to go to school now? Mama going to find you somewhere real nice to go. Not going to have back kids going to temp school. Oh, come on. They're going to come somewhere. Mississippi put in the dam, I'm the hottest round. we going to beat school segregation once and for all. Listen to me now. I'm you better get your ass down to City Hall tonight. Mm-hmm. Who's next? Give me- they say you represent a great many people in this town. Ain't me right about that. I'm holding the committee meeting, the council. We'll vote to either adopt or reject school integration. I need two co chairs, and Ann Atwater. Ann Atwater. I'm the president of the clan. He's about to hand you the keys to school integration, and you're going to lock the door. You did.
0: Rafer, yes. Please don't tell me this is a feel-good movie about a clan member finding
1: his heart. Listen, please. This is what I want to oh say to you. Oh my God! This is what I want to say to you. Clan
0: member with the heart of gold? No, 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 it's no, no. It's
1: no. true. No. This is the. This is one of the maddening things about the film. It follows this very pat narrative. Uh, it's it's very well acted. Obviously, Taraji P Henson, Sam Rockwell, they're both great. Um, some of the dialogue is pretty good. The director was a guy that I didn't know much about a guy named Robin Bissell. I think this is the only feature he's done. Um, I think he's more of a producer. It seems formulaic and it's predictable, but I think what's worth remembering is that it actually happened. The stuff the the moments that are in the film where you're, where you go, Oh, come on, are the moments <laughs> that are real. I, I, I looked it up. I did the research. There's also, I think, a a television document, like a short half hour-ish television documentary that was made on this a long time ago, like not that long after it happened. Um, I mean, right down to the climactic made for Hollywood moment where C.P. Ellis gets up on a stage and performs this dramatic gesture that no one ever expected. It's real. It happened. And this is what I'm saying. The point of this movie is that these two people reached across the proverbial aisle, and something impossible happened out of that. Something truly magical happened out of that. Obviously, our sympathies are with Anne, the activist, right? She's got the moral high ground here. But you've got to ask yourself, what if she had refused to work with this man? She would have been well within her rights. Nobody would have blamed her for not working with the Klansmen. But in the end, What would she have gained? She would have the moral high ground and not much else. And those two sides would have stayed right where they are and nothing would have been solved. So, listen, for my part, I think we've got two different opinions here, me and Kristen. But for my part, my advice is consider reaching across that aisle. Give it a shot. You've got nothing to lose. And you never know. Hmm. I love your optimistic heartbreaker.
0: <laughs> I think that's very, very
1: sweet. And Do I detect and yeah, a condescending that would be, tone, Kristen?
0: No, that would, be, that would be beautiful if that happened. It really, really would. But I also think it's great if it doesn't happen. And you don't have to uh, be I agree. the one to try and make things right at this point. You can just focus on having the wedding day you want. And that is why I am prescribing the 1993 classic, The Wedding Banquet.
1: Oh, yes. I'm going to turn in I'm just, I'm going to I'm going to risk my film credit credentials here and say that I've never seen it.
0: What? Ray I know. Oh. I know. It's by the great Ang Lee. Ang Lee. I know.
1: It's kind of the movie that 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 made his that made him here in America. I know. Oh my gosh.
0: Okay, so let me explain what The Wedding Banquet is, because clearly you haven't seen it, Rayford. Clearly you don't know how great this movie is. I don't. So The Wedding Banquet is a romantic comedy. It centers on a bisexual Taiwanese immigrant man who's in a long-term relationship with a white American man. His parents have no idea about the relationship. And uh, they actually think he's just a stubborn bachelor. They want to set him up. They don't want their son to be single forever. They want their son to get married and have a baby or two. And they do their best to make that happen. They set him up with uh, women that they consider suitable. And eventually, in an attempt to get them off his back, he decides to marry one of the tenants in one of the buildings that he manages, a female tenant who is in need of a green card. His plan, of course, blows up in his face, and before you know it, he's being forced to have a lavish wedding that he never wanted to a woman he doesn't love while his poor partner patiently plays along. Here's a clip.
1: You are cordially invited to a very special
0: wedding. Now repeat after me. I, we, we. We, we. And you, we, Tom.
1: We, we. In sickness and in health till death do us part. Till sickness and death. The bride is calm. (laughs) The groom is cool. Ooh. And the parents are the picture of happiness. <laughs> There's only one problem. Everyone wants to kiss the bride. Except the groom. It's interesting about Ang Lee because he also did Brokeback Mountain. Yes. It's like these two sort of groundbreaking queer films, but I don't think he is gay. I think he's. Uh, married to a woman with a family, as far as I know, right?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I don't actually know. I don't. It's interesting. I don't know if he's bisexual. I don't know what his sexual right. identity is, but he is somebody who is famously very, very um, sympathetic to female characters and to queer characters, yeah. and he does such a good job with both. He's really, really good at both of those things. And in this movie, he's also great at, you know, showing culture class, showing um, the conflict Mm, between people who see us one way and living our lives another way. And I got to say more than anything, the reason why I'm prescribing the wedding banquet is because I think it will serve as a great reminder to our letter writer, of how lucky you are to not have a big wedding with your family members who don't understand you or support your life decisions. You are going to watch this movie and be so grateful that you don't have to deal with this nonsense, that you don't have to pretend to be somebody that you're not. You can be 100% Authentically yourself. You can put your partner first and not have that worry hanging over your head the whole time. What are people thinking? Is somebody going to use the wrong pronouns here? You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. And watching the wedding banquet will make you just feel grateful for that. And I think at the end of the day, the movie will also just leave you with a warm feeling in your heart that maybe coming around to Rafer here, eventually your family will come to see where you are. Hopefully, eventually they will, but it doesn't have to be on your wedding day. It doesn't have to be.
1: Well, look, I think those are two good prescriptions. You've got two totally opposing viewpoints here, JT. And you know, the thing to remember, which I think you already know, is it is your call. It is always your call. Yes. Um, yes. So, all right. To recap, from Kristen, the wedding banquet, and from me, the best of enemies.
0: All right. We're going to take a quick break. But before we do... Do you need some movie therapy? Visit our website, RaferandKristen.com, and fill out the contact form there. You don't have to use your real name. You can use initials like JT did. And while you're there, check out our prescription pad where we list every movie and TV show we've ever prescribed on the
1: show. When we're back, we'll tackle a letter from someone who misses partaking in an annual tradition with her husband. That's the IGN Daily Update, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey Matt, did you know that wombats poop cubes? Nope, never heard that before. Did you know the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland, Ken? I didn't know, nor do I care. Neil, did you know that Liechtenstein is the only doubly landlocked country in Europe? Jeff, isn't that an American pop artist? Well actually, it's both. Find us on all your preferred podcast apps and take part in the fun of playing bar trivia without the need to wear pants. Real mature, Jeff. Forget it, Neil. It's triviality. We're back with our second letter of the week. Kristen, what does our second patient have to say?
0: All right. Our second patient is going by the name Sweet Martha, which I just love. Sweet Martha writes, Ever since my husband and I started dating eight years ago, we've enjoyed going to state and county fairs every year. There's no better way to welcome the fall season than strolling the fairgrounds, apple cider in hand, checking out the giant pumpkins, riding the sky ride, admiring the butter sculptures, and eating all kinds of foods on a stick. We've visited quite a few fairs over the years. Our very favorite is the Minnesota State Fair, but they were all canceled last year due to COVID. We were excited to start attending again this year, but even though we are both vaccinated, we're still taking reasonable precautions regarding COVID and might opt out of those large crowds. Can you recommend a movie that will help us feel like we're at the fair? What an adorable letter. I love this letter so much. (laughs) I also, by the way... Love state fairs. And I'm so glad that Sweet Martha shouted out the Minnesota State Fair. Uh, That's the state fair that I obviously grew up with. And uh, being a city girl, it was the place that I got to see all these agricultural things I'd never seen before. Um, Right. At the Minnesota State Fair, they have an exhibition every year that's just called The Miracle of Life, where you sit there in the stands and you just watch one baby animal after another get born while somebody broadcasts what's going on. Like Get born? Oh, Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then you go to another area where... Uh, you watch animals get spayed and neutered, and then you go to another area. <laughs> Whoa. I know. Uh, you go to another area and you see seed art. And being Minnesota, which is very left leaning, most of the seed art is doing things like uh, yelling at Donald Trump or talking about why Paul Wellstone was the greatest <laughs> politician of our time. And it's so cute. I just imagine all these farmers, you know, in the cold months of the year making their giant seed art uh, murals uh, like, okay, fuck you, Donald Trump, in seeds. That's so funny. <laughs> oh, it's so great. It's so great. And then, of course, yeah, the stick foods, macaroni and cheese on a stick, uh, spaghetti dinner on a stick, and, you know, got to eat those deep fried <laughs> cheese curds. Got to go to the milk truck where you buy a cup and you go back to the milk truck as many times as you want that day and have ice cold milk.
1: Yeah. I just got back um, from vacation in Vermont and I took the train, which was really fun, and I took the train to Bellows Falls, Vermont, little tiny, tiny, tiny train station, and I stepped off the train. Uh, my wife and my kids were already there, but I hadn't found them there yet. And I stepped off the train, and there was some little kind of mini fair going on, a little tiny fair going on on the other side of the tracks. And a guy came up to me and was sort of, you know, promoting the fair. And he said, how are you doing, sir? Uh, you know, just step right across the tracks. A lot of fried food over there. <laughs> I was like, a lot of fried food over there? How did you know? <laughs> Get, I thought it was the funniest. I thought it was the funniest pitch line I'd ever heard. Oh. Not delicious food, not great food, fried food. Oh, that's so good.
0: <laughs> that is somebody awesome. who knows how to do his job. I
1: know. <laughs> I know. Obviously, I went directly over there and got some funnel cake. Nice. Um, nice. Yeah. Oh, it was great.
0: Yeah, the fair well, is great. In Minnesota, we call it the Great Minnesota Get Together, and it really is a chance to. Be at the crossroads of many different kinds of cultures: uh, farm culture, city culture, food culture. You know all the different cultures in one place. It's really fascinating.
1: Yeah, spayed and neutered. That is uh, that's some hardcore 4H. Oh right yeah,
0: there. that's amazing. That's uh, fascinating. I'd never seen animal testicles being removed before. Then it was my first time.
1: Yeah, yeah I'm not. I'm not going to go to that. Uh, <laughs> if I'm ever in Minnesota, I'm not going to go to that. Uh, okay, so Kristen. What <laughs> What's your recommendation?
0: Well, my recommendation may, at first glance, seem a little bit off, but hear me out. I am prescribing the new TV show on Apple Plus called Schmigadoon.
1: Oh, yeah, of course. Schmigadoon. I've been wanting to see this. <laughs>
0: oh, it's so good, Rafer. You're going to love it.
1: It sounds exactly like, like, that sounds exactly perfect. Why do you say it's oh, a little off?
0: Well, the reason it might be a little off to some people is they'll just think, oh, it's a musical. Why would I want to watch a musical? Right. But let me explain. Shmigadoon is uh, it's not just a musical. It's kind of a parody of the Golden Age musical. It's kind of paying homage to the Golden Age musical. And it centers around two doctors played by Cecily Strong and Keegan Michael Kay. They're on a couple's retreat to repair their rickety relationship. And while on the retreat, they accidentally find themselves trapped in the small town of Schmigadoon, which is essentially a 1940s musical. To him, it is hell on earth. To her, it's a little bit enticing, a little bit magical. Here's a clip. Are you trying to tell me that you've never heard of corn pudding? She's never heard of corn pudding.
1: Oh no, it's a song. You just started another song. Corn pudding, corn pudding, corn pudding, corn pudding, corn. Pudding. She loves corn pudding, she eats it constantly. Sometimes I get to wondering, does she love it more than me? Does she love it more than me? Keegan-Michael Key is becoming kind of a musical guy. He was in The Prom. He's, uh, oh, he falls yes. in love with Meryl Streep in The Prom.
0: That's right. I totally forgot yeah. about that. Oh, he's yeah, great. Yeah, he's
1: good. He's, he's good really, really, yeah. really
0: good. Now, let me also say that in addition to him and Cecily Strong, there are so many other stars in this show. There's Alan Cumming. There's Kristen Chenoweth. Oh. There's Jane Krakowski. There's Fred Armisen. It's just one oh, wow. star after another in supporting roles. And the musical numbers are just fantastic. They're well choreographed. They're catchy. They're hilarious. You'll find yourself kind of bopping along to each song because the songs are so good. And I don't see that a lot in TV musicals. A lot of times the music is just forgettable and terrible, but the music is so good on the show. But let me get back to our letter writer here. The reason why I am recommending Schmigadoon is that I really do think it will give you that state fair feeling. There's a carnival barker whose only job is to sell tickets to his tunnel of love and to be a rapscallion. (laughs) There's an auction of picnic baskets with cute girls who all made them. There's a whole musical number, as you just heard, that's all about corn pudding. And there are scenes ripped straight from Carousel and The Music Man and other shows that you'll know that all have, you know, carnival or fair scenes. And if you can't go to your local state fair, I think you'll get some of that state fair feeling from Schmigadoon. I know I do. Every time I watch it, I just, I feel that Minnesota state fair feeling. And, and I feel so happy.
1: It's so good. It's so good. Oh, I'm, I'm glad to hear, I'm glad to hear a review from someone I know of this, because I think I've seen pretty good reviews generally on this. Um, people seem to have been generally pretty pleased with it. So I'm glad to get a personal recommendation from you oh,
0: it is a delight and rafer please check it out i think you're really going to enjoy it and also uh sweet martha please check it out too i think you'll love it all right but rafer what about you what are you going to prescribe to martha
1: well this is not totally hitting the nail right on the head this is not a this is not a state or county fair movie it's an amusement park movie which i think is Sort of similar, and might might get uh, might give you a little bit of the same vibe. Uh, it's a movie from uh, what is now starting to seem like a long time ago, two thousand nine, called <laughs> Adventureland. Do you know it?
0: Of course, I do. I saw this in the theater with uh, the great Bella Thorne, aka. Kristen Stewart yeah. <laughs> from the Twilight series. This was one of her first big movies she did that was not part of the Twilight series, right? Bella Swan. Oh, Bella Swan, not Bella Thorne. I cannot believe I got that wrong. That's all right. Bella Thorne, very different
1: person. Very, very different, different person. person. How different she turned out to be. Um, oh, so different. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, yeah. okay. Uh, so Adventureland, uh, here's the here's the story. It stars, yes, the very unlikely pairing of Kristen Stewart and Jesse Eisenberg. Um, yes. So he is a college kid named James. Uh, he already went to Oberlin and now he's about to go to Columbia's prestigious journalism school. And he's all set to do his post-college trek through Europe when his parents tell him, sorry, son, we're out of money. So I think you got to put off the Europe trip and maybe go get a job and start saving up some cash because we're not really sure how we're going to pay for grad school. So this is a big surprise because James, um, like many a well-educated young man, has no skills. So he gets a job (laughs) at Adventureland, which is right in his very unglamorous, non-European hometown of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And um, his first thought is, Looking on the bright side, well, maybe he can at least work the rides, you know, because the rides seem like they're fun, right? No, he's assigned to games where he's going to have to give away stuffed animals to kids and deal with angry parents. But there's a girl who also works in games by the name of M, and that's Kristen Stewart. And she's cool. She's kind of edgy and badass and smart, a little rough around the edges. Uh, She actually saves James from getting stabbed by an angry customer. Uh, (laughs) and The two of them kind of hit it off. But, you know, there's a lot of drama among the young employees of Adventureland. A lot of sleeping around, you know, sort of romances dangling, a lot of loose ends. Things are complicated. Here's a clip.
0: Hey, Joel. Hi. Hi. You guys want some of this? I bagged it from Paulette. Cuban rum?
1: I dare you. I think somebody was trying to write Satan Lives on that wall, but they spelled it Satin Lives.
0: One of those textile worshiping cults, no doubt. <laughs>
1: That's really funny.
0: <laughs> yeah. Lou Reed? I like the TM. You know about Connell and Lou, right? No, I don't know about them. He, he doesn't time out. Guys. Guys, he doesn't know the legend. Oh my God. Tell him.
1: Connell once jammed with Lou Reed. Really? Yeah. You story? Lou Reed? D Lou Reed. So Connell's like a like a real musician?
0: Yeah, oh, he's a monster. Yeah, months, yeah huh? man, he's got he's got his own band. It's freaking yeah, dude, awesome. He's freaking sex. He's, so he's gotta he get a little pussy with it. Oh, he's married he perv. Nice pipe, Grandpa. Oh, oh my God! There's a whole corn <laughs> dog. Oh, I'm sorry, Joel.
1: My brother's such a douche. That looks like it's us. Let's go, Pennystein. Pennystein, that's me. Good night, everybody. Slight backstory on this on this movie. Um, uh, there is an Adventureland theme park in Long Island, right around the corner from my newspaper, Farmingdale, Long Island. And the director, Greg Matola is from Long Island. He grew up working at Adventureland in the mid-80s. And there's also another Long Island connection. There's a guy in the movie who's a musician who's always talking about the time he jammed with Lou Reed. And Lou Reed, believe it or not, is also from Long Island. Um, Oh. But... Yeah, so there's like it's like a it's like a secretly Long Island movie. But Matola, I remember interviewing him right before the movie came out. He couldn't film on Long Island for some reason. I think it might have been because of the expense. So he shipped the whole thing out to Pennsylvania and filmed it there. Anyway, it's got a great cast, uh, surprisingly great cast, especially when you think back to the year two thousand nine. The assistant manager is played by Bill Hader. Uh, his wife is played by Kristen Wiig. The maintenance man, the Lou Reed guy, Ryan Reynolds. So oh, I and forgot then you've got, about that. Yeah, I mean it's it's this it's this. It's, he really he caught all these people on their way up, and then you've got Jesse Eisenberg and Kristen Stewart. This was filmed in 2007, the year before Twilight came out. So he caught her right. You know, two years later she would have cost seven million, you know, seven seven billion dollars, right? <laughs> but it's a really nice little movie. It's really sweet. It's a, a great little slice of you know summer life, summer love at the theme park. Um, and you know, yes, it's more about working at a theme park than attending the theme park. But I do think that it you know, will give our listener something akin to that county fair vibe. And it's just, it's a great, cute, sweet little movie and a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. And if Sweet Martha, you associate fairs with a little bit of romance, which it sounds like you and your husband do, Adventureland does have a little bit of romance.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay. So once again, our recommendations are from Kristen, Schmigadoon, and from me, Adventureland.
0: All right. We're going to take another quick break. But before we do... Thank you to everyone who's reviewed and rated us with five stars in Apple Podcasts. By the way, you don't have to review us. We love it when you just, you know, click those five stars. That's plenty for us. We'll take the stars. But we do like the reviews as well. For example, Mimi to Eight Grandchildren recently gave us five stars and wrote... I love listening to Movie Therapy with Rafer and Kristen. I listen to it while I'm going for a walk or driving my car. I take notes of all the movies and TV shows that they recommend and love it when I hear them talk about one of my favorite movies. The advice they
1: give is right on the mark. Well, thanks, Mimi, to eight grandchildren. Rock on, Mimi. Eight grandchildren. Congratulations.
0: Yeah, wonderful. I hope, by the way, you're not taking those notes about our movies and TV shows while you're driving, I hope you're not doing it then. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Good point. Good point, Christian.
0: Especially if all those grandkids are in the car. Don't don't take the notes then. <laughs> or only at stoplights.
1: <laughs> That's right. Don't text and drive.
0: <laughs> Stay with us. When we're back, we have our what should I watch next letter of the week. Hey, everyone. We're back with our What Should I Watch Next Letter of the Week. Rafer, who do we have today and what do they have to say?
1: This letter comes from Anne Emily. Whether it's a a a fake one or a real one, I don't know. There's no quotes around it. Could be real. Could be a real (laughs) Emily. Uh, (laughs) This Emily says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I am one of those weirdos who likes to watch movies and TV shows about self-involved, emotionally immature people being awful to each other while practicing self-sabotage. Think girls, fleabag, Camping, or pretty much anything by Lena Dunham, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, etc. The last thing I watched that really scratched this itch was Let Them Talk, a movie that Rafer prescribed on the show a while back, starring Meryl Streep, Candace Bergen, and Diane Wiest. Kristen, I know this isn't exactly your bag, but I'm hoping you can still help. What should I watch next?
0: (sighs) Well, Emily, I love it when people write in to say they actually watched our recommendations. I know, right? Um, I, by the way, did watch Let Them Talk after you recommended it on a prior episode, Rafer, just because I loved the cast so much. And yes, they were all terrible people. Yes, (laughs)
1: especially (laughs) Candace Bergen. She's so great. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh my god, she totally cracked me up. She was the highlight of that movie. Oh, too, she's she great. was so good.
1: <laughs> well, and you know, Kristen, I think this is your bag. I think you like um I think you like girls. I think you like uh shows like that. I think weren't you a fan of Fleabag? I liked
0: Fleabag. Girls filled me with rage every time I watched it, but yes. of course I kept watching it. I'm just like, oh, these people are terrible. Yeah. Camping, I, I did watch Camping and I found it incredibly frustrating it made me want to throw my TV at the wall oh interesting yeah a, a lot of these shows it's just like they're almost always really well to do and spoiled and don't really see their own privilege either and yes. that adds to the frustration it's like hmm. look at all these people who are filthy rich and think they have it bad and are mean to each other right you're all the worst people <laughs> I hate all of you none of you would ever survive in a Christmas movie unless you were the villain that's right
1: well Emily maybe you're right maybe it's not Kristen's back <laughs> <laughs> I like
0: some shows with terrible people, but they do have to have a sense of humor.
1: Yeah, I hear you.
0: And the sense of humor in my opinion should be making fun of them, um not in any way, you know, celebrating them because they're terrible people. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's, that's funny. But Rafer,
0: you you're better at the terrible movie people. Like you 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 can appreciate people who I find irritating.
1: Yes, uh, that's true. That's true. I love, I do love movies uh, like that. I, you know, it's funny. M- m- it, this was tough for me because most of the, most of those movies I've already recommended, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> Edge of 17 is probably my most favorite example of that kind of genre. Um, but so I, I, I've recommended a lot of these movies already. So I chose a movie for this one that was, it's, I don't know if it will really count as self-sabotage, but I think there's an element of self-sabotage in it. And I think you've got a combination of terrible people and nice people. So, it's a little bit uh I don't know. I don't know if it's quite it's it's going to be quite what this listener wants, but my recommendation is one of my favorite movies ever, Bedazzled from 1967.
0: Oh, I don't know this movie, Rafer. Or hold on. N- was the wasn't there a movie also called Bedazzled
1: with Brendan Fraser and Elizabeth Hurley? Yes,
0: yes, yes. that's was, what it I was, was a thinking. Remake.
1: Of. It oh. was a remake of this film. M- many people, n- not and not even that many people, will know the remake. Nobody knows the original. But this is probably, oh, maybe in my top five films of all time. Really, I mean, one of my top. Five, could be top three. I mean, it is just one of my favorite films. I've never seen. The, the remake, I never will because to me, this movie is a holy text and cannot be touched. <laughs> I will never see, never see the remake. Um, so here's the story. It's, it's by the British comedy team of Peter Cook and Dudley Moore who were a very successful uh, television comedy duo in England in the 60s, but never got any traction here. And, then, and this movie was long before Dudley Moore became a hit in America. But uh, Dudley Moore plays a guy named Stanley Moon, uh, living in London, and he's a nobody. He's a short-order cook at a fast food joint called Wimpy's, and he's in love with one of the waitresses, Margaret Spencer, played by a great British comedian named Eleanor Braun, But Stanley can't muster up the courage to ask her out. And he feels like everything's hopeless. He's got nothing to live for. And he decides to hang himself. And right in the middle of while he's tying a rope around the water pipe in his apartment, in walks this guy wearing weird sunglasses and a red cape who claims to be the devil. And he offers Stanley Moon a deal. Seven wishes for anything you want in exchange for your soul. The only catch is that being the devil... It's his job to make sure that all of Stanley's wishes go wrong and that he ends up miserable. So when Stanley wishes to be a millionaire who can shower Margaret with, you know, presents and things and art and jewelry, suddenly the devil shows up as an even richer aristocrat who happens to be sleeping with Margaret. So cancel that wish. Now Stanley wants to be a pop star and Margaret's going to be as groupie. But then the devil shows up as a psychedelic rock singer and steals her away. And so <laughs> it goes, wish... After wish, after wish. And here's a clip. You know that million
0: pounds I mentioned? Yeah? I wasn't joking. I could give you that and more. Everything you've ever seen in the advertisements. Fast white convertibles. Blonde women, their hair trailing in the wind. Wafer thin after dinner chocolates. If you had all that, would you be any happier? What are you on about? Would the words Prince of Darkness mean anything to you? Beelzebub? Mephistopheles? The Horned One? I know. You've escaped from somewhere. No, I haven't, Mr. Moon. I'm the Horned One, the devil. Let me give you my card. Wow. Well, the premise sounds really funny. Yes. But I'm not as big of a Dudley Moore fan as you, as you know, Rafer.
1: No, I am a huge Dudley Moore fan, which I know is kind of a weird thing to be, um, but uh, <laughs> but I am. Um, and a couple of things about this movie. Uh, Peter Cook and Dudley Moore... Not only starred in this movie, but Cook wrote the screenplay, and which I think is just brilliant. It's basically the Faust legend, but set in Swingin' London, uh, which I think <laughs> is really fun and funny. Um, the director is none other than Stanley Donan, who did Singing in the Rain oh, uh, and wow. lots of other musicals. It's right, so the film just looks fantastic. It's just got these wild, colorful backdrops and cool sets and awesome mod costumes And the score, which is this great kind of swinging, dinner jazz, bossa nova score, is by Dudley Moore, who composed and played it. A lot of people probably don't know that Dudley Moore was an extremely accomplished, um, almost like concert-level pianist. So I love this movie. Uh, Some of the best scenes to me actually come between the wishes when Stanley and the devil come back to the real world. And it's funny because they're both kind of lonely and they don't have any friends. No one likes them. Mm. And so even though the devil keeps wrecking Stanley's life, they kind of become buddies. And so they have these kind of funny conversations about life and love and God and and morality that are kind of smart and like a little profound and sometimes kind of touching. And it's just this great film about this guy who just can't get it right over and over and over until, of course, he realizes that he's been wishing for the wrong things all along. And the fun part is to see how he's going to get out of the deal with the devil and somehow find happiness.
0: Hmm. Well, these people don't sound that bad, Rafer. I might actually like this movie. Some of them sound kind of nice in this movie.
1: Well, it's one of them is the devil. That's sort of of why I say he's a terrible person. Um, (laughs) A quick note about how to watch this movie. It's Like I say, it's a real cult item. It's a real collector's item. A little hard to find it officially uh, because I'm a patron of the arts and I want to support uh, artists. I would say buy the DVD. That will set you back maybe 30 bucks. You could pay as much as 500. There's a copy of it out there for $500 on Amazon, but there are also copies for 30 bucks. However... I hesitate to say this, but I want people to see this movie. You can find it floating around out there on the interwebs with a pretty mm. simple video search. And some of the transfers are pretty poor quality, but there is one from Russia, of all places. Rafer,
0: that... no. You no, cannot be sending people to Russia. for Isn't that like spyware or something?
1: I, let me just say, it is a pristine transfer. It is properly letterboxed. Great sound. It was a widescreen Panavision format movie in 67, so it's been letterboxed. You know, I hate to recommend that, uh, but it works. Uh, Mm. And it's just, it's one of my absolute favorite, favorite films, and I just want as many people to see it as possible. So I would say buy the DVD, but if you want to do a little internet research, you can find it that way too. All
0: right. Everybody out there doing that, please be careful. True. Don't download anything weird to your computer. True. And also check out your library, as we like (laughs) to say here. Support your local library.
1: (laughs) Good point. All right. So, Kristen, what about you?
0: Well, I am prescribing something much more recent, not from the 1960s, but from just last month, called The White Lotus on HBO. Hmm. I don't know this. Ooh, I think you would love the show, Rafer. It is from Mike White. Mike White, who I know you like. He created, he wrote, he directed the show. And uh, The White Lotus, it's just a little six-part series. It centers on three different groups of rich, spoiled guests staying at the very luxurious White Lotus Hotel Resort in Hawaii. And in the first episode, we learned that not everyone makes it out alive. We then flash back to see what happened in the 10 days before at the resort. And yes, anyone could be a suspect. And yes, everyone deserves to be murdered because they're all terrible people. Here's a clip. Surprise! Mom! Am I interrupting? I know it's only your honeymoon. Oh my God, look at her face.
1: Rachel, you were such a beautiful
0: bride, but also very pale. But now you have a little more color, and it looks great. Thanks.
1: You are so talented. Oh. Do you really know what you're doing? really. Do you think you could have dinner with me at the hotel tonight? Um, I, I get off at 7? Yeah, that's good. I mean, like, a couple minutes after 7 at the,
0: at the restaurant. Sounds great. <laughs>
1: A young man, this time right now can't be easy. Why? Because we can't harass girls anymore. No.
0: Well. And this show, I gotta say, is star packed. We have Connie Britton, we have Jennifer oh, Coolidge, yeah. we have Steve Zahn. We have so oh, love many great people on this show, and they are absolutely terrible. They're all unlikable. If you like unlikable <laughs> characters, That's all this show is. It's just people who you just hate, except for, you know, a couple of the hotel staff members don't suck. They're good. But overall, these are terrible, rich, spoiled people who just all deserve to be killed. And at the end, you (laughs) hope that it's all of them instead of just one of them. I'm not going to say more than that. I don't want to give anything away. uh, But I'll just add one more thing. The soundtrack is almost like its own character. It is so good. The soundtrack will get caught in your head for days. It is... Interesting. Really intense and really just... It's incredible. It's so, so,
1: so good. Oh, I'm, The White Lotus on HBO. I'm very glad to hear about this. I love a movie with a good soundtrack, and there really aren't that many out there. As as great as much of the work is, it's rare, I think, that you hear a, a film score that really grabs you and that really like makes the difference and sticks in your head like that. So uh, I'll check this out.
0: Yeah. I, as far as film scores go, I would put this up there with... There will be blood. That's how intense it is. That's how much it is like its own character in the show. It's so good.
1: Okay. All right. Uh, That's very interesting. Okay. So, our recommendations are from Kristen, The White Lotus on HBO, and from me, the somewhat hard to find but worth checking out, Bedazzled, the original from 1967.
0: And that, everyone, is it. For this week's episode of Movie Therapy, we're ending on the note of terrible people. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: right. <laughs> As if you didn't have enough of them in your real life. <laughs> uh, yes, this episode is over, but that doesn't mean that the conversation is over. You can continue it and join us on our Facebook community. That is at facebook.com groups slash Rafer and Kristen. Thank you to
0: everybody who wrote in this week. We so appreciate it. And thanks also to the Airwave Media Podcast Network, which we're proudly a part of. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to their other fine shows like Food with Mark Bittman and The Projection Booth.
1: Until next time, I'm Rafer Guzman. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. Thanks for listening, everyone.
0: Bye-bye.